You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 46, delivering a cancer narrative with your hosts, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. So being a cancer thriver chances are that your cancer narrative can inspire people, can motivate them, and ultimately make someone's experience with cancer, or even just their day, better. That is, the narrative that you, you're putting out there, your cancer narrative, on its own has tremendous power. But Alex and I wanted to challenge you further. So if you haven't watched or listened to our previous episodes, We've been talking about cancer narratives, the power of the narrative, and then really how to create your cancer narrative and one that can empower you. We've been doing that for the past few weeks. Now we're kind of switching and diving deeper into this topic and exploring how you can deliver that narrative to make it even more powerful for others. So it's time to really consider maybe how you will be getting your message across to others. And Alex and I have a few suggestions on how to do so. And here are what we think are the aspects that make a good delivery of a cancer narrative. So first off would be choosing the words and the structure that is best for you. And we talked about, Alex and I, in a previous episode, the power of words and In this context, when you're delivering this cancer narrative to a a group of people or an individual, that can make a huge difference as the words you choose. Let's just take, for example, living with cancer and thriving with cancer. Depending on what your narrative is and what you're choosing to put out there to the world, those two words, living and thriving with cancer, can have a huge impact on the message that you're you're giving to your audience. So it's to be, first of all, aware of, of the terms you're using and the words actually you're, you're using to, to deliver that story. Absolutely. And, and how the narrative is structured, essentially a lot of the words you use, how it's sort of formed and put together, it's extremely important because what you can do is you can put a lot of your words and your stories in more of a chronological order and you can allow the listener to sort of understand the changes and your thought process and your themes, some of the ideas you created as you went forward through your experience. Or you can refer to different times that you may have felt one way or the other and consistently sort of group those feelings and emotions together. But I believe that the, the key to this is that consistency and that you're sort of telling something structured that can be followed along properly by the listener. And a lot of that has to do with how you write it down initially, maybe some of the words you use, as Gabrielle mentioned. I also think that a lot of what has to do with what goes into making the delivery of your speech as effective as possible doesn't have to do necessarily just with the words and sort of how you put it together. But it has a lot to do with even the personality of the person themselves. And what I mean by that is not if you're more outgoing or things like that. More so, feeding an idea or a narrative to someone. It can be fulfilling on a thriver's end if you have structured it properly and you're happy with what you've written. Which it really should be. But it should also 
not be forced. And I think it should be being more open and being more friendly when you are discussing your narrative as opposed to sort of maybe forcing an idea on someone. It makes the listener sort of want more and it more engaged in what you have to say because they feel that you are comfortable with what you have to say. So even if you have the opportunity to either poke fun at yourself or laugh with the audience themselves, if you're being a lot more lighthearted, it can really be a factor in the listener wanting to hear a lot more of what you have to say and feeling more comfortable with what you're telling them. That that goes down to the nonverbal. So if you're excited, if if you're showing interest, if depending on how you're sitting, you're standing, all of those things that we hear about when we consider delivering a story, all of these things do actually matter when we consider how people are reacting to your stories. So that's always something to consider when we're delivering our story to make it powerful. Really what makes a cancer narrative a well-delivered story is keeping in mind the message that you want to get across to your, your audience because your message, depending on what you're wanting to say in that specific moment, will set the tone for your nonverbal, for your the words that you use, for the story, the structure that you're using, all of it. If you keep that in mind, I think you, you're going to be able to deliver your story well, make everything, all the pieces match together. We talked on a little bit of nonverbal and sort of what is written and sort of the message. Just a lo- couple of last minute things, I think, going back to that nonverbal aspect, when we look at things like body language. So when you deliver a narrative, If you are more relaxed and you're more open, you're not crossing your arms, you're not into yourself, what it does, it allows listeners to feel more comfortable with what you have to say. And they feel like they can stand a little closer, be more open with you. And they really understand that you yourself as the thriver is comfortable with the topic at hand. And it doesn't feel like there needs to be this cringing aspect. And lastly is sort of the voice, I think. Not necessarily the volume, you don't have to shout, you don't have to be quiet or anything like that, but the way you tell the story, using your pauses effectively, if you have something to try and captivate the audience, making sure certain sentences or certain points are more emphasized maybe than others. So those are just two of some of the important points that can make a listener, again, want more. And again, I'm getting more into the technical aspect of a narrative. I love doing speeches. I've always have when I was in middle school, we did a lot of speeches. And so I'm getting more into technical things. And that's not necessarily the most important point. But I think a lot of what we have to say just helps to sort of deliver the narrative the way the thriver wants to do so. And if you're listening, kind of worried about all these technical aspects, like Alex said, if you're more comfortable speaking, and it's something that you like doing, you might want to concentrate on the specific technical aspects. But overall, all that nonverbal and and voice things, they all come down to confidence. And if you're confident in your cancer narrative and your story with cancer, all those things are going to come naturally when you deliver that that story. So moving on to our second question, we want to know, do you find it easier to proactively tell your narrative or wait until you've been asked about it to deliver it effectively. So for me, I find I generally like to get in front of the story as well as my narrative while the idea is sort of fresh in someone's mind. And what I mean by that is the topic of my diagnosis has recently been introduced, somehow come up in conversation, 
but more preferably the news in general hasn't even broken yet. I find that I want to dive right into telling the sort of breaking the news of I, I had I had this diagnosis of cancer, of leukemia, and this is how I feel about it. I find that the control that we obtain as thrivers, while explaining our narrative, I think it can depend a lot on when and how we tell it, just as much as the words that it actually encompasses when we structure it. So for me, I find it's important to get sort of that stronghold on the storytelling aspect and not necessarily get lost in a sea of questions from listeners, because I find a lot of the time, obviously, people are very interested in what we have to say. So they may find that they want to jump in and ask a lot of questions. They have a lot of concerns. How are you doing? Things like that. And this may interrupt our narrative from a certain standpoint. So I think when we're proactive, you can deliver your narrative with not really a former bias if you can get right ahead of it. And you really have the ability to discuss the topics that you want to discuss with less of a chance for your listener to have any opinions that you don't want right away or maybe judgments to pass when you're in the middle of telling your story. I took a little bit of a different stand when it comes to this. I love sharing my cancer narrative. That is not it. When the subject comes up, when someone says something that refers to my cancer experience, and I know other people don't necessarily know about it, I will jump in and I will give facts. When it comes to sharing my cancer narrative, I'm a little more selective because I want I want to make sure that my audience is ready to hear the cancer narrative. I find that as a 22-year-old, a lot of my friends aren't ready for the cancer narrative unless they're very close to me and they, they know me personally like and they've known me for a while. So I tend to just kind of stick to the facts. So I'm not proactive. When someone asks me and keeps asking me questions or, or actually asks me for my cancer narrative, not, maybe not in those words, but along those lines, I will gladly share. And so I'm a little more reactive than proactive when it comes to this, just because I want to make sure that who I'm telling actually wants to hear my narrative. And I'm not sharing anything that can make other people uncomfortable, because a narrative is sometimes harder to hear than just the facts of, of I had cancer, <laughs> which is more boring if you ask me. But I think that some people just aren't ready for a narrative and, and the fact that we thrive through our experiences with cancer. And yes, there was harder moments, but how we handled it can be a little much, I think, for some people. I totally get that. Having those different opinions is good because there's not really a right or wrong way. And quite frankly, I actually do want to add that more recently, my cancer has not been a direct part of my life, being that we're now in remission and we're past sort of treatment phase. So for me, I have a hard time just bringing it up sometimes, especially if it has nothing to do with the conversation. So therefore, now I'm a lot more reactive to the topic coming up in conversation with people, whether it's questions being asked of me from an acquaintance or from someone who isn't as familiar with what's going on, or maybe we're just talking about the illness or an illness discussion in general. When I'm with a new social group, it's difficult to incorporate unless it's sort of brought up. So at this point, I'm also used to delivering my narrative. Now, whether it's in long form, whether it's in short form, we've done it so often that I'm a lot more comfortable operating from a second mover standpoint. And what I mean by that is having someone ask a question or anything like that and just being able to 
react to it, whether it's for 30 seconds, whether it's just answering questions. So right after the listeners ask their questions and is more well aware of my journey, I feel more comfortable just being able to react to it. And you you make a good point there. We, as individuals, you get used to your cancer narrative and you get familiar with it. And it's much easier to deliver it once you are familiar with it. And it's kind of second nature to tell your story and to tell exactly that narrative because we're talking about a purpose, not just a story. All of those things, I think it does get easier with time because you can you can adjust more quickly and kind of feel that uh, what your audience needs out of you and adjust, not just blurt out something. All that once, uh, like you, I know I did when I was more in treatment and I was less less comfortable telling my story. Now, Alex, I'm wondering, has anyone ever shared with you their cancer narrative and it captivated, inspired you so much? So the story was delivered in a way where you thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is incredible. And what exactly did that person do to deliver that message in such an incredible manner? So for me, there is no one better than Jeff Eaton. And Jeff Eaton, if for those of you who don't know, he's the executive director and founder of Young Adult Cancer Canada. I've met him a bunch of times. He's from Newfoundland. Amazing guy. He's a two-time cancer survivor. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Obviously, if I get any of these facts wrong, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna quote. Don't quote me. But I know he had his first diagnosis, I believe, around his early twenties. Definitely in that sort of age range. And he was he was active. He played a lot of ho- of pickup hockey, ball hockey. And at the time, he couldn't understand how this had happened to him, as many of us also sort of wonder. The what made the delivery so amazing was that he was a very calming presence. He's a really, really laid back guy. He's not too in your face. He's not very overwhelming when he speaks, doesn't have an overwhelming personality. So that in itself, it eases everyone's mind when listening to what he has to say. I remember when I heard him speak, it was in a room of about 100 people at the Survivor Conference last year, and he was really captivating. Even when he was just speaking in such a calm and low voice, everyone was hooked because everyone felt comfortable around him. Also, what he did was he incorporated his sad times and a lot of the funny moments that he had in his journey in a really well intertwined pattern. So he had a good way of not leading his audience too far in either direction. So not having them laugh out loud consistently, not having them really, really upset or down, which allowed him really to continue with his narrative while everyone is still hooked. It was sort of an up and down pattern that everyone could follow. I also found that I related to him really well. He is a male. He was diagnosed similar time as I was. He played a lot of hockey like I did. He was relatable and he was likable. And those are two very, very important things. And those two sort of concepts, those two traits, it makes telling your narrative a lot more effective because everybody's on your side. And not everyone obviously relates specifically with Jeff, but just the the general topic of that and the general theme about that is that being relatable being someone that you can look to as saying I feel the exact same as this person a lot of things that he or she went through are similar to my experience and just being likable if you like someone who's speaking you're going to have a lot more you're going to be a lot more prone to what they have to say you're going to want to hear what they have to say so I found that with him 
those are a lot of the things that made his delivery so amazing. And, and he was just a great speaker in general. And so for you, Gabrielle, obviously, same question. Is there anyone who, who inspired you and captivated you in their speech? And, and what made it so amazing what they had to say? I will disclose that I find any cancer story very interesting, and I love hearing other people talk about their stories and their experiences with cancer, so their cancer narratives. <laughs> I did choose one for the sake of this episode. So it's a blog that I, I read that I follow, and the blog is, I won't name it because it's it's a personal blog. It's not necessarily something that is, is published for everyone, but she's a friend of one of my, my best friends and was diagnosed with cancer. She has, has three kids and I read this blog and am constantly captivated by what she writes. And she's not the sole blogger on this, on this blog. Some of her family members also updates through that blog. The posts that she writes are thought through they offer advice and reflections on things that you wouldn't necessarily always think about as cancer thrivers, but when you read it, you're like, oh my God. Like, it's really interesting to read her. Anyway, what I think makes her delivery so interesting, and it's a little different than yours because it is written. It's not, I don't hear her voice or anything. But she is so authentic when she writes. She really says it as is. Um, so I think authenticity is is something that is key in why that narrative is so powerful and also context I don't know this person I just read her her blog her family members are great at posting context which helps me understand her posts which are a little more reflective in nature not as much a factual so I think authenticity and context make her story and her delivery of this cancer narrative so amazing and powerful. So that, that would be my answer, I think. Another question we have is, what response do you as a cancer thriver want to receive from your audience when your narrative has been delivered? For me, a big thing I want to hear from my audience or my listeners is acceptance. And I've I've accepted what I have gone through in my early 20s, this idea of the cancer journey that I went on, whether I went on, but I want my audience to understand my acceptance. So it's not necessarily that I want to have them accept what I went through, that is obviously their opinion, but it's more so having them realize that I'm comfortable with that period of time in my life and that I've accepted what events have gone on. And I think what's important is that I want it also to be clear that the two themes of my narrative being positivity and perseverance, those were the two things that primarily pulled me through my toughest times when I was struggling the most. There's obviously other things that may have played a factor, and I'm sure throughout my narrative, I touch upon a lot of the different things that helped. But those two underlying forces are sort of the things that need to be stamped in my listeners' minds. And those are the sort of the themes that I want to leave with my audience when I'm discussing a lot of my, my narrative with them. Realistically, I would say that what I want my audience to take away from my cancer narrative when I do share it is what they need out of it. Because I think that when you, we share our stories, our cancer narratives, it's not as much about 
them getting the entire story. It's about them getting what they need out of that narrative. And that may look very different to different people. And I will never know probably how much or how little maybe, but (laughs) how much hopefully they got from that narrative. And that's what I look in I look at when I deliver my cancer narrative is that's what I want them to get. Just whatever they need. It has nothing to do really for me. If I look on the other side of this scenario, selfishly I want I want them to understand. And that's a little harder because it's external. It's I don't have control over this, but it's me who needs it. So it becomes tricky because a lot of people don't necessarily accept and understand exactly what the cancer narrative is. I think it also goes with being a young adult facing cancer. We, I think, as a as a group are a little more isolated. Others don't necessarily understand what we're going through, like other people our age. I know it was difficult for me to find people who had gone through the same experience other than online, of course. Yak is great for that, but actual interactions with other cancer thrivers was very rare when I was in treatment and back home. When I do tell my cancer narrative, I'm looking for other people to be interested in it to ask questions, to get involved. So again, all external things that I don't control. So it's not necessarily realistic. And I've I've started working on, on getting away from that and just kind of hoping that they do get something out of it, which that is a realistic part. So yeah, that's kind of where I stand. Getting a response in general, I think, in, in a positive way is obviously always really exciting as opposed to just having someone say, oh, that's great, and kind of ending it at that. And so when having that as the lowest end of the spectrum, for me, I think the final thing I want is to receive some type of claim of inspiration. And that's obviously reaching for the stars in the sense that you want to inspire everyone you talk to. But even if I could just reach someone in a small way and have them say, you know, you helped me with this tough time, telling someone or helping someone not get so down in a tough situation, or maybe even just thinking twice about how lucky that they may be in their in their situation, then all have been proud to have shared my story. And ultimately, it's just that's, I think, a big reason for sharing a narrative in general is to sort of cause this spark, or this hope and inspiration for others. But even if I can just get sort of the smallest reaction of having one or two people say that they're inspired by what I have to say, then that's sort of the ultimate goal of the end of telling that narrative. Yeah, that's like the gold star. But if you we don't get that, I think the next best thing is just trusting that we actually are inspiring others. We just don't get that feedback necessarily. When we talk about cancer narratives, we always probably have a longer version of our cancer narrative and then a shorter version. What I'm wondering is, is the long version and the short version as effective as one another or do they serve their own purposes that are distinct from each other? And like, when do you choose a longer, to, to, to deliver a longer narrative over a shorter one? Personally, I think that both serve their own purpose. A short narrative, what I call an, an elevator pitch, so something that you can say in about 30 seconds, that is good when we talk to most of the world. It's quick. It's a good prompter for other questions and for them to ask what they actually are wanting to know. So that's one version. That's I think it has 
purpose and is useful in many contexts. On the other hand, a longer narrative is quite powerful. And for me, that is is the one I prefer to share. It is it is also crucial for us to tell ourselves the longer version of the narrative. By that, I mean that our narratives, our cancer narratives are meant to guide our experience with cancer and to shape that experience. If we don't keep in mind the longer version, we're going to lose sight of that. So all those important stories and ideas as a whole put together in a cancer narrative holds power. So I think that that longer narrative is important in that sense. And then finally, the longer version is great for public speaking. It helps you create speeches. And if you're into that, maybe keep that in mind. I know my longer, I know my longer cancer narrative is the one I use when I speak. Of course, it's always altered to the context of where I'm speaking and when and to whom. But overall, that's the narrative that I use is the longer one. I agree. I think they both serve their own purpose on a number of different fronts. I know for me, I originally developed my longer narrative, as I'm sure most thrivers have. They start with the longer version because I was a lot eager to deliver it. Like I said, I used to love giving speeches and I find that I tend to ramble a lot. So I even if I created a short narrative, it probably just ended up turning into the longer narrative in time. Writing a speech about myself and what I learned was exciting and it was intriguing. So what I found on the alternative was that a lot of people, and I, you mentioned it a lot earlier in the podcast, was not everyone wants to hear everything you have to say. Maybe it's based on your age, just based on socially, that's how a lot of people are, probably ourselves included in certain aspects. Or some people are also too uncomfortable to sort of have a discussion on cancer for more than 30 seconds, whether they don't know what to say or they're just not very familiar. So what this did was it made me develop my elevator pitch where I physically sat down and began thinking of ways to tell my story in a really short time span so I could piece all of these different pieces together. I can get my point across, but not necessarily leave anything major out that I wanted to definitely get across. And eventually over time, I think I've subconsciously just adjusted it until I began to use it more often in social circles. And I think, as you said, the elevator pitch narrative, it's it's better used for groups of people if you're at you know, the bar or in sort of like a fast-paced setting, whereas you can use a longer narrative when sort of sitting with one or two people and you sort of have the time to go over all of the little details that you didn't necessarily get to go through when you had to rush through the story. So basically, based on the amount of people that you're with plays a big factor as well. And also, I believe that the quality and the personality of the listener, it also plays a huge factor, right? Some people, like we're saying, they're unable to communicate, they're unable to discuss cancer, it bothers them, or they're uncomfortable in some way. And that's fair. Sometimes thrivers themselves, we feel awkward in these situations having to force an idea on someone so that is where the elevator pitch comes in but also if you have a conversation with someone who's willing to listen and is engaged in what you have to say and is asking questions and wants to hear more then this is your time to shine and this is where that longer narrative that you have sitting on your desk comes in hand 
So our final question slash discussion piece is that obviously there's a lot of advice to give, but if there was one single important piece of piece of advice that there was to give about effectively delivering your structured narrative, what would it be? For me, like I said, there's of course there's there's a lot of pieces of advice that factor into delivering a strong narrative. I'm sure we've touched on it a few this podcast. I'm sure everyone as well has something to add to every narrative that another person might not. But for me, I think the main piece of advice to give is that confidence is key. The story you're telling is obviously the truth. It's your truth. And again, it's your time to shine. If you are confident in delivering what you've learned on your journey, the lessons, the themes, the advice that you might have, even in the toughest times, it's your story to tell and you really should own it. This is, again, your time to shine, your time to tell what you want to tell. And when you're confident about your narrative, your audience becomes confident in what you're telling them. So if your goal is to inspire, chances are that if you are more confident, you will have a lot easier time doing so if they believe in what you are telling them. It will also make you feel better about yourself if you are confident. Subconsciously, you will just feel better knowing that you have something to say and that you know that it's the truth and that your lessons and themes are true. It will make the time that you're telling the narrative a lot more meaningful to you and hopefully to your audience. And honestly, who knows, you might even have fun owning the room for a long period of time. And that's really the goal is just to enjoy even telling your story, even when you're discussing maybe some of the sad times, just to be able to have that opportunity to tell your story, I think is exciting in itself as well. My most important piece of advice to everyone when it comes to delivering a cancer narrative is being authentic. And authenticity for me is the key to people reacting positively to your cancer narrative. And that involves doing what you need to to deliver that. If you are an outgoing, really loud person, then delivering your narrative that way might be how you choose to do so because it's you. On the other hand, if you are a little more reserved, well, you might be able to find ways to continue to be a little more reserved and still share your cancer narrative in a very powerful way, maybe by writing or some other form of delivery. There are no right or wrong ways to deliver your cancer narrative. It's all up to you. But remembering who you are and keeping that in mind when you choose how you want to deliver the cancer narrative, that I think is important and will ensure that your narrative is positive and not necessarily in what it is, but is delivered and accepted when you do actually share it with people. So the final send-off here actually stems off one of the last things you said here, Gabrielle, the fact that there is no right or wrong way to deliver your narrative. You can do it vocally, you can do it on paper, online. The idea, though, is that it's not necessarily as simple as writing things down and delivering them in one form. There is a lot of things that can go into it. And a lot of what we talked about might be technical, but a lot of it really is being confident, being authentic, believing in what you have to say, and really having the personality to deliver it the way that you want to do it. There's a lot of pieces of advice that we gave in here that we hope that you can take. And the idea is owning the room as much as possible, even if you're not necessarily vocalizing what you have to say, making sure that when you structure the narrative and when you deliver it, 
you say exactly what's on your mind because you can't really go wrong in the sense that it is the truth. It is what is happening to you. And you really want to take this time to try and inspire people to be their best self. Hopefully that is the ultimate goal at the end of this. And if you take a lot of the pieces of advice that we've given you, then you can really make that inspiration happen. This ends episode 46, Delivering a Cancer Narrative. If you have any questions at all or suggestions or comments, or if you simply want to share your cancer narrative with us, do reach out to us through the Soar Above Cancer blog, as well as our social media accounts, which we link in the show notes as always. Many smiles to you and see you next week.